So President Swig, we're ready. Okay, good evening and welcome to the October 19th, 2022 hybrid meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. President Rick Swig will be the presiding officer tonight and he's joined by Vice President Jose Lopez, Commissioner Alex Lemberg, Commissioner John Trezvina, and Commissioner J.R. Epler. Also present is Deputy City Attorney John Givner, who will provide the board with any needed legal advice. At the controls is the board's legal assistant, Alec Longway, and I'm Julie Rosenberg, the board's executive director. We will also be joined by representatives from the city departments that will be presenting before the board this evening. Corey Teague, well, I'm not sure he's going to be here since that matter is going to be continued, but he may, the zoning administrator representing the planning department, Chris Buck, urban forester representing San Francisco Public Works Bureau of Urban Forestry. The board meeting guidelines are as follows. The board requests that you turn off or silence all phones and other electronic devices so they will not disturb the proceedings. No eating or drinking in the hearing room. The board's rules of presentation are as follows. Appellants, permit holders, and department respondents each are given seven minutes to present their case and three minutes for rebuttal. People affiliated with these parties must include their comments within these seven or three minute periods. Members of the public who are not affiliated with the parties have up to three minutes each to address the board and no rebuttal. Mr. Longway, our legal assistant, will give you a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Four votes are required to grant an appeal or to modify a permit or determination. If you have questions about requesting a rehearing, the board rules or hearing schedules, please email board staff at boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, public access and participation are of paramount importance to the board. SFGovTV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live, and we will have the ability to receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. SFGovTV is also providing closed captioning for this meeting. To watch the hearing on TV, go to SFGovTV cable channel 78. Please note that it will be rebroadcast on Fridays at 4 p.m. on channel 26. A link to the live stream is found on the homepage of our website at sfgov.org forward slash BOA. Now, public comment can be provided in three ways. Number one, in person. Two, via Zoom. Go to our website and click on the Zoom link. Three, by telephone. Call 1-669-900-6833 and enter webinar ID 860-330-5353. And again, SFGovTV is broadcasting and streaming the phone number and access instructions across the bottom of the screen if you're watching the live stream or broadcast. To block your phone number when calling in, first dial star 67, then the phone number. Listen for the public comment portion for your item to be called and dial star 9, which is the equivalent of raising your hand so that we know you want to speak. You will be brought into the hearing when it is your turn. You may have to dial star 6 to unmute yourself. Our legal assistant will provide you with a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Please note that there is a delay between the live proceedings and what is broadcast and live streamed on TV and the internet. Therefore, it's very important that people calling in reduce or turn off the volume on their TVs or computers. Otherwise, there is interference with the meeting. <clears throat> if any of the participants or attendees on Zoom need a disability accommodation or technical assistance, you can make a request in the chat function to Al Longway, the board's legal assistant, or send an email to boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, the chat function cannot be used to provide public comment or opinions. Please note that we'll take public comment first from those members of the public who are physically present in the hearing room. Now, we will swear in or affirm all those who intend to testify. Please note that any, any member of the public may speak without taking an oath pursuant to their rights under the Sunshine Ordinance. If you intend to testify at any of tonight's proceedings and wish to have the board give your testimony evidentiary weight, raise your right hand and say, I do, after you've been sworn in or affirmed. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I okay. do. Okay, thank you. If you are a participant and you are not speaking, please put your Zoom speaker on mute 
So commissioners, we do have one housekeeping matter for item number six, appeal number 21-088 at 145 Jefferson Street. And before we get to this housekeeping matter, uh, Commissioner Lemberg has a disclosure to make. I do. Uh, my disclosure is that I have a uh, professional relationship uh, through my uh, service on the board of the Eureka Valley Neighborhood Association um, and a personal social relationship with the appellants in line item six at 145 Jefferson Street, uh, Desmond Morgan and his husband Ray Connolly. Uh, they're both members of the appellant. Um, I've conferred with the city attorney's office and I will be fair and impartial in handling this appeal. Okay, thank you. So the planning department is requesting that the matter be continued to December 7th, 2022, and that it be given permission to file a late brief. The appellant has agreed to this request. Note, the attorneys for the determination holder Enzo Management Company have stated that their cl client no longer intends to move into the space, and therefore they did not submit a brief and will not attend the hearing. So I do need a, no a motion to continue the matter to December 7th and to allow the planning department to submit a late brief, which would be due on December 1st. Anybody want to offer a motion, please? And, and we, yeah. And then I do need to call public comment after that motion. Okay. So. Um, I would move that we continue this matter to December 7, 2022, to allow planning uh, department to submit a late brief, which we do by 4.30 p.m. on December 1st, 2022. Okay, Congratulations on your first uh, motion. Thank you. Is there any public <laughs> comment on this motion? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any hands raised. So on that motion to continue the item to December 7th and to allow the planning department to submit a late brief. Vice President Lopez. Aye. Commissioner Trosvina. Aye. Commissioner Lemberg. Aye. President Swig. Aye. So that motion carries five to zero. Thank you. So we are now moving on to item number one, which is general public comment. This is an opportunity for anyone who'd like to speak on a matter within the board's jurisdiction, but that is not on tonight's calendar. And I do see a speaker, Mr. Carl McMurdo. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you, Julie. Can you hear me? Yes, welcome. Okay, yeah, I have trouble with my headset. Um, thank you. So first I wanna welcome the three new commissioners. And I'm in the taxi industry and on November 16, you're gonna hear three appeals that have been continued. And I'm the agent for two of them, Mr. Cortesos and Mr. Horrible. And the third one, Mr. Scrack, has a licensed and qualified attorney representing him. I wanna say that the taxi uh, issues are Byzantine, even abstruse, but paradoxically, the issues in the cases you hear are kind of simple. It's whether or not the taxi medallion as Americans with Disability Act protections and whether the medallion is a work taxi driving permit on the one hand or instead a business operating permit. Uh, under the heading of general public comment, I'm gonna send you two emails. One I sent tonight pertains to a hearing held yesterday by the taxi regulator, the San Francisco Municipal Transfer Agency, Transportation Agency. They rejected an attempt by their taxi director to uh, eliminate Board of Appeal rights for taxi permit holders who are facing adverse action. And so uh, the second one, I wrote a legal brief. It's sort of like War and Peace. It's lengthy, but under again, under the guise or the heading of general public comment around Monday, I'll send you that. It, it describes the last 50 years of history 
underpinning these issues. I want to include the 20 attachments, which basically the attachments just prove that they exist, the attachments do, and that I've described them accurately, and plus they're part of the case file. Uh, so anyway, I did want to do that to give you some idea of what the issues in taxi are prior to the hearing on November 16. And again, thank you very much for the opportunity uh, to consider all this. That's all I have to say. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Is there any further general public comment? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any, so we will move on to item number two, Commissioner Comments and Questions. Commissioners, other than the Warriors getting their rings last night, congratulations. Is there anything else anybody would like to comment on? Okay, thank you. Okay. Yeah, well, okay. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, just further to uh, the public comment just now, I think to, you know, for the benefit of everybody, especially for our, our newest commissioners, I think we received a notice some weeks ago that, uh, that these types of cases going forward will be moved uh, over to, I believe, the, the SFMTA. Uh, they're, they're gonna have the, the jurisdiction over, theirs, over those uh, appeals going forward. I think, I think it may be worth it to just consider uh, amongst ourselves, uh, given that, that these, these medallion cases have been um, involved and in some cases have come, you know, back to us like these matters currently scheduled for the November 16th calendar are coming back to us after some Vice uh, President delay. Lopez, I'm so sorry to interject, but this wasn't agendized, so I'm not sure we should be having this discussion. I, Usually I, commission I comments is just reserved for, you know, just not, uh, not on substantive matters. So we could agendize something for the future do you, do you concur? Yes. Okay. Could, just point of information. Could, could so I was that was a lead into to just kind of plant the seed to maybe consider um, you know some letter to the MTA con, like containing you know some some a summary of some thoughts uh, from from our body to to theirs considering these cases. Well, I. So pending, these are pending cases, and it wouldn't really be appropriate to be directing a letter at this point, but Deputy City Attorney Gibner. Well, sure. one, one last thing. Uh, this, this wouldn't be with respect to the cases, uh, I should clarify, that we're about to hear on the 16th. This would be related to the body of future appeals that may, be, that may come up separately from these cases that, from what I understand, uh, those are no, no longer going to be held by, uh, heard by us. So, so my proposal, just topic for, for thought, that's all I'm, uh, I guess, suggesting now, is, is for my fellow commissioners that I, and I to consider whether or not for those cases that we will no longer be hearing, if, if we would like to offer some sort of comment to the body who will now be hearing those, just to explain kind of the, the points that we were taking into consideration when we used to hear these matters. Okay, so would you like that to be put on an agenda in the future? Uh, sure. If I can speak to that. Um, so at tonight's meeting, during this agenda item, the commission shouldn't discuss, um, but it would be appropriate to 
put it on the agenda for a future meeting. At that meeting, if you'd like, you could ask the MTA to, staff to attend. Uh, and at that meeting, the board could authorize a single member to prepare a letter with thoughts that the that the board uh, wants to share, or you could have a single member draft a letter and come back to the board for a second hearing where you, you approve sending the letter. Got it, okay. So would you like to put this after the cases, the pending cases are heard on the 16th? Yeah, I think it, it I think that would, that would be best just to make, make it clear that, <laughs> that this doesn't have anything to do with any pending cases. Um, so, so we could put it on December 7th or December 14th. Or do you, wanna, or do you wanna put it on as the, the final agenda item on the, the calendar that when we hold the, the hearings? Okay, on the 16th? Uh-huh. Why don't, why don't we do it, I guess we could do the 16th, that's yeah. fine. It'll be fresh. Yeah. Raw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Okay, thank you, and I believe if I can, if I can just make one one more comment here, I, I noticed that two other members are on the agenda, uh, on the on the um, the queue. Just want to make clear that at this point, the the board should not have a discussion about the right. proposal except uh, discussing the date when it should be put on an agenda. Okay, Commissioner Trezvina. Uh, thank thank you. With uh, without attempting to challenge the deputy city attorney's advice, I want to join uh, Vice President Lopez in this request, but I would also like, as part of this discussion, to discuss the issue of, and I'm not clear whether we are already contemplating this as part of the, part of the matter on November the 16th, uh, the issue of how departments, in effect, take away cases from the Board of Appeals. And I want to note that our, our brand spanking new website, first thing says, we provide a final administrative review process for appeals on a range of city determinations. And I think it would help both for the public and for our new members to know what determinations there are and how they are either on the list of determinations or, to, or taken off. And I think given the preliminary uh, mention of that, uh, by Vice President Lopez that I would like that as part of the discussion on, on November the 16th. Might I suggest that we consider that a separate agenda item for a later time. It's a great, great idea. It's a great, um, um, a great training, another great training item that okay. we, should, we should tag on to a, a future agenda and as soon as possible. Okay. If I so could. You want I, that part of the. If I could respond, uh, while it may be a training item, and I think it's also a substantive issue as to whether we have the authority to decide what is in our mandate or whether the agencies do, and I don't want to get into the, the merits of it, uh, but I do think it's worth discussion as a substantive okay. item. Training as well as the wrong training. word, but a <clears throat> it's for discussion. It's an item for discussion. Okay. And Thank you. And if I, if I can jump in here as well, perhaps at that, at, at the November 16th meeting, as part of the, the hearing uh, that's noticed, I'm happy to provide some information about the, the board's authority to handle this particular type of MTA taxi appeal uh, and the advice that we've given to the board in the past and, and to the MTA. 
Thank you. Commissioner Lindbergh? Very briefly, I just want to commend Vice President Lopez for uh, having the courage to bring this up, and I look forward to discussing this in detail on November 16th. Okay, thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? I see Carl McMurdo. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks again, Julie. Um, I want to base, make a couple things kind of clear. The email I send you tonight has five very brief attachments. Uh, one of them is Section 30 of the Business and Tax Code Regulations, and another one is uh, Section 4.106B of the City Charter, and those documents uh, define it to be your responsibility and the taxi permittees' right to have an appeal, and I think that's existed for 90 years. The other thing I want to, and I will send that tonight for you to look at. The other thing I want to mention is what happened yesterday at the MTA board meeting is that one of the commissioners or directors, uh, Steve Heminger, basically chided the taxi director for having sent you that email or that memo and sending it out to everyone in the taxi industry that we no longer had appeal rights. And uh, he basically told the taxi director she had overstepped her authority and that the board makes such decisions and that she had no right to send out such a letter. At which point, she's kind of funny. She sort of threw the transportation director, uh, Jeff Tumlin, under the bus and said, well, he told me to do it. And so we'll see how it comes out. But I, I want to make it clear that the MTA board said, no, you can't, to the direct taxi director, you cannot do this. You don't have the authority to make such a decision. So I'll send you this email, and thanks for listening. Okay, thank you. Is there any further public comment? Okay, I don't see any, so we will move on to item number three, adoption of the minutes. Commissioners, before you for discussion and possible adoption are the minutes of the October 12th, 2022 meeting. Commissioners, uh, anybody have any comments or do I hear a motion? Uh, Commissioner Lopez? Yeah, I just, I just thought it was important to add with um, the, the part where we're describing uh, the public comment from Mr. Fruchtman. Uh, one one key thing that I think we should note there is that he he cited and quoted uh, the 2018 uh, report from the Turner Center at UC Berkeley, and uh, I think it, it'd be good to note that 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 was um, a background that he cited uh, for his comments. I think it's important to note that it's uh, supported. Uh, by some research. Okay. I think with that amendment, I would move to adopt the minutes. Okay. So is there any public comment on that motion? Please raise your hand. I don't see any public comment. So we have a motion from Vice President Lopez to adopt the minutes, uh, provided that they're revised to reference the 2018 report from the Turner Center from UC Berkeley. On that motion, Commissioner Trisvino? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. Okay, so the, the minutes are ado adopted as revised by Vice President Lopez, five to zero. Okay, we are now moving on to item number four. This is appeal number 22-065, 600 Alvarado Street Homeowners Association versus San Francisco Public Works, Bureau of Urban Forestry, 
Subject property, 600 Alvarado Street, appealing the issuance on September 7th, 2022 to 600 Alvarado Street Homeowners Association of a public works order. Denial of an application to remove two Monterey cypress trees, one a street tree within the public right-of-way and one a significant tree on private property. The trees do not pose a high or moderate risk of failure. This is order number 207050, and we'll hear from the appellant first. Um, Ms. Strutzel, welcome. You have seven minutes. Um, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Um, on behalf of the 600 Alvarado Homeowners Association, I want to thank everyone on the board for making this appeal possible. Um, and also we wish to thank all of the staff at the Department of Public Works, including Chris Bach, Don Hoffman, Alec Langway, Julie Rosenberg, and others who have been instrumental in assisting us in making the original permit application and now in making this appeal to the board. All have been very responsive and helpful. Any comments in our submission relating to the service by the department were specific to our concern that the department may not have sufficient maintenance staff to inspect and surface the trees. It had nothing to do with the service that we have received from the department in both applying for the original permit or in applying for this appeal. The department's brief of October 13, 2022 was very helpful. It provided a useful comparison to the situation at 600 Alvarado with the description of the cypress tree at 100 Vasquez Avenue. That property owner's request for removal was not approved, but on condition that the public works inspect the tree annually, and this has been successfully implemented. From the picture provided in that brief, there are critical differences in the trees between the, Vasquez, the tree on Vasquez and the two trees on Alvarado. Firstly, the area surrounding the Vasquez tree is much less densely populated compared to the Alvarado trees. There are no large nearby buildings, there are wide spaces between structures, and the streets do not appear to be a vi busy vis vehicle and pedestrian passageway. The opposite is true on Alvarado. It's a busy um, commute corridor with muni buses, as well as Silicon Valley buses. Secondly, the Vasquez tree is on flat ground and the Alvarado trees are on a slope. Thirdly, the Vasquez tree does not appear to be near high voltage or other cables. And again, the opposite is the case on Alvarado. Um, as there are trolley lines that are running on the Castro Street, which is perpendicular or um, crosses the Alvarado Street. The members of the HOA are not arborists, but we are stewards of the property, committed to ensuring human safety and preventing property damage. This is the basis for our appeal as outlined in the submission to the board dated September 27, 2022. We have two arborist reports completed this past spring. Our request to remove the trees is largely based on the Bartlett Tree Experts Report. Their analysis used technologies which detect internal decay, which is not visible to the naked eye. 
This report stated two management options for the decay that they found. One, the first was to remove the trees, which is the impetus for our applying for the original permit to remove the trees and for this appeal. Their second recommendation was if the trees were not removed to retain the trees and install an additional steel support cable in the city tree, monitor the trees annually and acknowledge that the current decay will undoubtedly become larger over time with a resulting increase in the likelihood of failure. We would like to emphasize that if the city tree is not removed, the Bartlett and the California Heartwood um, Arborist report and recommendations is to install an additional steel support cable in the city tree. And additionally, the California Heartwood report notes that decaying top of the city tree should be removed. Again, we would like to thank the board and all of the Department of Public Works staff made the permit and the appeal process available and accessible. And this completes my comments. Okay, thank you. I don't see any questions at this time, so we will now hear from the Bureau of Urban Forestry. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Chris Buck, Urban Forester with San Francisco Public Works. And um, I want to thank the 600 Alvarado HOA members. Uh, I don't know if I stated clearly in, in the brief that we submitted, uh, but one of the reasons that's leading to our denial of the request to remove both trees is how well a job they've done in being stewards of these two very large Monterey Cypress trees. So I just want to start the conversation um, and, and match the goodwill that the HOA is expressing. I really appreciate it and um, didn't mean to be defensive in our brief, but I, I think regardless of the decision we make tonight, I just want the narrative of the city being able to maintain its assets in the public right of way to, to, to be clear, because that was a narrative for decades that was different. And we weren't maintaining trees in a proactive, systematic, and um, organized fashion. So again, with that, I, I wanna go through a, a lot of images this evening. If we could switch over to the PowerPoint. Um, what I like to do is a, a bit of a visual inventory. I think you've read a lot of uh, text at this point, um, but I'd love to just go through as a certified arborist, what are we looking at when we evaluate trees and tree health and how are trees how do trees uh, stand and how do trees uh, break at that at different points? This is the overall site. You've probably seen many photos. Um, we recognize at Public Works that both trees are not your typical or average street tree, right? They are uh, quite tall. And with that, we know there's great responsibility in the decision-making process at Public Works. And just to add a little bit of a layer of complexity or bureaucracy, both trees have different jurisdictions. One tree is within the public right-of-way. The public right-of-way on Alvarado frontage is 10 feet from the face of the curb. In 2006, 
Public Works and the Board of Supervisors, well, I should say the Board of Supervisors, amended our urban forestry ordinance, creating a, a distinction of trees on private property called significant trees. And those trees are on private property, but within 10 feet of a public right of way. So the bottom tree is a significant tree on private property. The uphill tree is about a third of its trunk is within the right of way. And our code doesn't define exactly how to and when to qualify a tree as in the right of way. And so we're gonna call this a street tree. It, is, it has a portion of its trunk in the, in the right of way. And so at this point in time, the uphill tree is the maintenance responsibility of Public Works as of July 1st, 2017. The downhill of the two trees is the responsibility of the fronting property as it's on their property. This is an image showing the bottom of the two trees. This is a measurement of 10 feet. This vertical red pole is showing where that 10 foot marker is, just showing that in fact, legally, the bottom uh, downhill tree of the two is on private property, but within 10 feet of a right of way. And then the uphill tree, you can see, uh, has a, a good amount of its trunk within the public right of way, and therefore it's considered a street tree. You can also notice a fresh concrete to the side of the tree, adjacent to the tree. That means there has been a, a relatively recent sidewalk repair. I believe that was made by the, the property owner. Getting into the trees themselves individually, the downhill tree is a significant tree. This tree we have less concern about. We believe the um, potential for failure here is, is lower than the uphill tree. This is the tree that is the responsibility of the property owner, a significant tree. Um, it is very close to the high voltage lines, but overall it has developed a somewhat uh, uniform canopy. Again, it's been pruned and maintained over the years. It's never gone through periods of great neglect. I also want to bring the attention to the fact that although there's some sidewalk damage on the uphill tree, there's also this access point on private property that's free of damage at this moment in time. And so a lot of cases before you, you're going to see a lot of repeated sidewalk damage. We don't have that in this case, so we can just put that aside as, as not uh, a compelling data point. Again, we're looking at the downhill tree, the significant tree. Um, this, uh, looking at this structure high up in the canopy, it divides into two smaller stems. This does not uh, concern me as a point of failure. I don't believe a cable needs to be placed there, but a cable could be placed there if the, the HOA um, desires to do so. There is some decay present within this tree. I, I would disagree a little bit with the extent of the decay. Um, trees can tolerate a good amount of decay, sometimes up to 30% or more. I don't believe this has enough decay to warrant approval. The uphill tree, this is the tree where I really wanna spend more of my attention in the presentation. The tree itself, again, had a sidewalk a damage repair. This, the, the most likely point of failure within this specific tree would be where these two main unions join. These stems are about equal size where they are directly adjacent to each other. There's a narrow angle of attachment. We acknowledge that there is decay present and we acknowledge that the decay is going to increase over time. There's a vertical seam of decay and also a pocket of decay below the point at which these two main stems join. One reason that I'm a little, I wouldn't say a little, 
one reason I'm comfortable with denying the request to remove this tree in the department is, is that the stem on the right is sublimated by the larger stem on the left. The stem on the left is much taller. There's less canopy and weight on the stem on the right. If they were truly of equal size and weight, um, our findings would be a little seconds. With that said, we've done our, our own examination of the trees. We just do not believe that the trees meet the criteria for removal at this point in time. The one cable that is installed is not installed to a point that is helpful to keep the two stems together. We don't believe the, the cable is required or necessary at this point in time. We talked about Street Tree SF and we talked about an example of another That's case. Time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, President Swig. Um, so Mr. Beck, one of the things that you, you didn't address but was addressed to us in the, uh, the appellant's brief was uh, the technology. I, I've never, you and I have seen each other dozens of times and uh, I was really impressed by uh, the third-party arborist technology with the, the belt around the tree that measured the, um, the amount of rot, with, uh, weakness, whatever. And, um, and I don't believe the city of San Francisco has enjoyed that level of technology in your, pro your program yet. Is that true? That's correct. We've used one uh, one time before for a tree removal case. It's it's been a number of years. Our staff is familiar in their in their use generally, um, but we have not been employing those in our uh, tree value so, tree evaluation. Uh, so so when uh, and I'm not doubting your expertise. I've come to respect that expertise of of Bureau of Urban Forestry, and I applaud you for your diligence repeatedly, as you know. Um, but uh, how, how do you um, how do you defend against uh, when somebody's using new technology and state of the art stuff, and you're you're still doing it the old fashioned way? Which I'm not uh, I'm not saying is a bad thing, but it's sure. like you know um, it's, it's using a, a string with two cans versus a, a brand new telephone. Uh, how, how do you how do you manage that and 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 defend against that? Sure, uh, it's a great uh, line of questioning. And I think for these trees in particular, I think it's absolutely relevant to in, employ their use considering the size of the trees. What's at stake should any or a significant portion of these trees fail? Um, so I think, again, you know, sort of applauding the, the HOA for being proactive in contacting us and selecting qualified professionals to assess the trees. Very often what we find in our experience is that the technology confirms the defects that we agree are present. There are times when we may discover that decay is much more extensive than we possibly thought. In this particular case, I think the, some of the, there's a resistograph and there's the sonic tomography. I, I question a little bit some of the the shell wall thickness that they're describing. I think there is uh, more sound wood present. That said, it is confirming what uh, all our, I think both reports and our staff is agreeing with, is that there is decay present. Um, it's not insignificant, but it's not to the point where we believe the tree needs to be removed. And so to, to just get back to that point, the technology is expensive. 
Um, there's a lot of training and there's a lot of interpretation around that, what those results mean. So uh, one final question, would you, um, obviously you're, you're here to uh, de defend the, the continued life cycle of those two trees, but would you uh, consider the, the proposition made by the appellant um, to uh, put in a, a supporting guide wire and also submit the trees to end buff to do any, doing an annual um, study and review and reporting on these two trees to, uh, to maintain their, uh, to assure that their, their lifestyle, life cycle is maintaining um, adequately? Yes. Um, one of the things we absolutely agree to is annual monitoring. Um, the other case on uh, Hernandez was an example I thought of. Just to, to put it out there, the, we're not looking at apples and apples on, on that, but just as a, as a concept. Um, so the annual monitoring, we're, it's in the heart of the city. We're, we're crisscrossing that area of the city all the time. Um, my sense is we'll probably be looking at those more than once a year just you know, to allay fears. We'd be in close communication if uh, anyone in the HOA or resident sees something that changes with the trees, um, you know, unrelated to storms. I think the one question for us is the cabling. The, I don't believe a cable is required between the two main stems of the street tree. And the street tree, the city has the maintenance responsibility for and the liability for. The cable that's installed are, are between two it's not the main union that would split left or right. And so, and they even connect to a point that's been removed from the tree. So I, I do respectfully disagree about the need for a cable to be placed in the street tree. We can consider that. Um, I don't know if we've done it before, but it's something that we, um, I think is up for consideration. And if that was a recommendation, uh, that's probably something that we would pursue and, and agree to. Thank you. Mr. Trezina. Uh, th thank you, President Swig, and thank you for the uh, pre presentation. Um, I would say what, I'm really, really pleased to hear the mutual respect and, and good working relationship that you have with, uh, with the uh, Neighborhood Association. Uh, one of the things that I've seen over my short time here is uh, often lack of communication or, or, or uh, citizen frustration. Clearly, there's a disagreement here, uh, but I'm very, very pleased that you've reached out and you have a good relationship with the, with the HOA. Um, my first experience in city government was as a deputy city attorney back in the George Agnos days. My first trial was representing a tree that fell in Golden Gate Park on top of somebody's car, and I was defending the, what was remaining of the tree. Uh, so this, these are, this kind of situation is something that uh, obviously uh, we want to we want to prevent damage, and I'll ask you in a bit about um, how much and, and what the technology is um, for us to be able to anticipate uh, f future damage because I think that may be a may be a difference of viewpoint that uh, the city has with with the HOA. Um, but what I'm hearing is on the arborist. Um, the recommendations, and I'm pleased that you are that you are open to some some of the ideas. But 
what I what I am unfamiliar with, and I'm less obviously less familiar than President Swig uh, with, with with your department. Uh, as you testified today, is is it based on your own uh, inspection and your own uh, recommendations, or do you have staff that does this? Uh, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm just trying to get a sense as to as to where where it comes from because I, because I am a, a bit at a loss as to uh, the arborists, the, the the HOA's experts' use of technology in the report, and what I'm hearing from you, which is your your conclusions, and I'm just trying to get an understanding of why there are differences. Sure. Um, thank you, Commissioner, um, and thank you for the feedback and um, that about your involvement with the city attorney's office. The, there are two primary reports that the HOA um, obtained, and one of them, the Hartwood, California Hartwood uh, exhibit, essentially agrees with the, pub the public works uh, findings, which is that the, the risk here is, is low. The Bartlett report uh, recommendation findings is that the risk here is moderate. I think the difference, I don't disagree with their moderate assessment as a private entity, I think. Uh, and they stated in their report that the customer, it's going to be up to the customer's threshold for risk and tolerance for risk. So I think that's where, where this um, hinges a little bit, is that it's a reasonable report. Um, you get five arborists, and we're going to be a little bit uh, in, you know, there'll be a Venn diagram. And I think in most cases, there's there's reasonableness in, in all of those. Um, so I don't discount the report at all. I think the city has a, uh, while public safety is our number one priority, I do believe we have a, we've demonstrated a bit of a higher threshold when it comes to accepting some liability in the face of managing assets like trees and the critical nature, all the critical infrastructure that they deliver. Um, and so, what we typically look for are additional signs of tree health in decline or potential for failure. And we're, we acknowledge there's decay, but we don't believe it's a, a, a risk that makes these trees no longer sustainable. So I think we are, and it's unfortunate because it's easier to argue a case when it's, you just feel like it's black and white and you're clearly on one side or the other. Um, I think their findings are reasonable. We have a higher threshold for risk. Um, one thing to point out is that the annual monitoring would, that in itself reduces some risk. You know, no one's here saying these trees can, are gonna be around for 20 years. We're, it's a bit of an annual proposition. And I recognize that the property owner may not wish to keep going through this, you know, year after year and, and, and wondering. Um, but as the city maintaining this asset, we're, we're willing to do that because it's just, these trees are quite valuable and we want to make sure we're doing everything we can. So that's, that's a little bit behind how we can, we can differ slightly. Um, I did evaluate the trees myself, uh, but first they're evaluated by a certified arborist on our staff, urban forestry inspector, Daniel Hoffman, you saw him in those photos. Um, so I've looked at the trees myself. Daniel Hoffman has, and then the matter's been reviewed by a, a public works hearing officer. 
And currently, Public Works enjoys some added uh, insurance, which is that our interim director, Carla Short, is the former urban forester. And um, she stepped away from her superintendent role, but she'll be returning uh, hopefully in the spring. Um, so we do have a multiple layers of review. I have personally reviewed the trees and evaluated them, you know, agree with the assessments. And one other question I have is about uh, size, seismic danger. Uh, I, I understand it's pretty about a block and a half from the seismic zone. Does, does that have any impact on, on uh, the health there, or safety of the tree? So um, seismic activity, thankfully, has very little bearing on, on tree health. There's, there's almost no uh, established connection between fail tree failures and seismic activity. Um, I would say if it's a, an extreme Loma Prieta, you know, I, I would say that would be an, uh, the exception. But typical seismic activity that we're, it's, it's not written about, I've attended conferences for a long time. I've never heard about any um, connection. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. We are now moving on to public comment. Is there anyone here to provide public comment? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any hands raised, so we'll move. Oh, I see one hand, one moment. Uh, John Nolte, please go ahead. Uh, good uh, e evening, uh, commissioners, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Um, I want to bring up some, uh, since I did hear the first, uh, uh, was at the first hearing of this um, public works, and now at, now at this hearing, uh, I just want to bring up some other issues that were not discussed by the HOA. Uh, they took out permits to put in, uh, in front of the building, um, uh, balconies. And so these trees would be in the way of the balconies. And so, and also plus, the, since it's an HOA, uh, the three of the uh, units have been bought and sold uh, or been sold in the last two years. So therefore, there was only one property owner for this for this whole building, and now somebody in that trust is now selling off the pieces and also upgrading the property. So this is basically in it, trying to get rid of trees in the front yard so they could put in uh, additional uh, things to their property. And if you look at the planning department's uh, website, you will see these permits that were pulled for this property. So you will see that the additional things that they're trying to do to this property in the last five years. So uh, I think that should be reason enough why they're trying to do this. This has got nothing to do about what you see in front of you. It's also increasing the value of the property um, and to the new property owners that have bought into these condos. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now hear from John Nolte. Mr. Nolte, please go ahead. We can't hear you. You might. You may need to press. Well, you didn't call in. Uh, can you unmute yourself? Okay. Hello. Okay, we're going to move him to a panelist position. Maybe we can hear him after that. Okay. Oh. Go ahead. I think we we heard you. He doesn't, he doesn't have a microphone on his computer. Okay, John Nolte. Mr. 
Mr. Nolte, you can call in if you want to provide public comment. I already spoke. Uh, John Nolte already spoke. So I, I think it's Michael Nolte. Okay, I, I called Michael okay. Nolte yeah. first. I, I'm well, just going John by the Nolte name on first. your Zoom. John Nolte, John Nolte spoke first on Zoom. So John Nolte spoke first? Yes. Okay, thank you. So, so, so it's okay. I'm clarifying for you. Okay. It was mislabeled on Zoom. So please go ahead, Michael. Yeah, hi. Uh, this is uh, Michael Nolte. Um, uh, it, it seems to me that I would uh, go with the uh, recommendation of the uh, uh, the uh, city on these uh, trees. It, it's clear that uh, there is not enough damage um, that the trees have. Um, uh, there, uh, you know, I understand that the the uh, um, the property owner. Uh, wants to be do the due diligence, and I appreciate them doing that. Um, but uh, the city also has a, a different um, um, idea. You know, we're trying to protect trees. Um, this tree is native to San, to San Francisco, and um, it's hard to get the, the right kind of trees to begin with in San Francisco because a lot of the trees that, that have been planted over the years in San Francisco are not natives. So this is a native tree. And it's, it makes a big difference. Uh, it's used to the climate of San Francisco. So it would uh, obviously do a lot better um, uh, in surviving the San Francisco weather. And uh, that's why it should stay. Um, uh, and if there is any mitigation measures that need to happen, that's in part, part uh, something that the uh, at the time, um, the uh, property owner can deal with and communicate with the city if there needs to be any additional uh, mitigation measures. Again, first mitigation measures, not just deciding to remove the tree uh, or trees in this case, uh, because uh, they have other plans for the property uh, or considering other plans for the property. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the uh, commission needs to understand what other things are happening um, uh, besides the tree removal here. So thank you. Thank you. So I see Derek Scheibel has his hand raised. And uh, Mr. Scheibel, the appellant listed you as an agent uh, as part of her party. Are you an officer of the HOA? Uh, no, but I'm a resident of the building. And I was going to defer to Mr. Tzol to uh, Speak okay. to okay. what I thought were some mischaracterizations in that first public comment. Okay, so you can provide public comment, then you can't speak during the appellant's time. So did you want to go ahead and provide public comment now? No, I didn't understand the distinction. I will I will bow out. So you want to speak during the appellant's time or I will I at this point I see no need to speak further. Okay, thank you. Is there any further public comment? Please raise your hand. Okay, no further public comment. We will move on to rebuttal. Ms. Strutzel, you have three minutes. Um, yes, in response to the respondent who identified development on the property, um, yes, um, beginning in 2019 or 2020, there were several um, permits that were pulled and completed to renovate three of the units in the building. There has never been, and will never be as long as I'm here, a permit to build a balcony out from the building. I have no idea where that comes from. There is a, an apartment building next door and there has been activity there and there may be something, and they have balconies, there may be some repairs going on there, but there is no, there is no plan, there is no permit request 
to develop the front yard which, um, on which the trees are located. Thank you. You still have two minutes in 12 seconds. Well, and, I, and just, to, just to be clear, um, two of the units were completed and sold um, several months before the problem with the tree was discovered. Um, th there was a, a, an arborist report of, um, in March of 2021, and there were no problems identified. And then in March of 2022, um, I had another um, um, arborist come out to check it because it looked like there was some ant activity, that that was the time when they identified um, the need for more substantial investigation. And they did the um, the special kind of analysis to detect the internal decay. And that was after two of the units had been sold and, one, and the third unit was um, in escrow. And so um, it had nothing to do with the um, renovation of the building. It was, it purely um, was a matter of the timing of the assessments. Okay, thank you. Are you finished? Yes. Thank you. We will now hear from the Bureau of Urban Forestry. Mr. Buck, anything further? No? Okay, so commissioners, this matter is submitted. Commissioners, anybody want to begin? Chair, you want to start? Why not? We'll pass it down. This is a hard one, um, but I mean, uh, clearly two very, very clear, very well briefed positions have been presented here tonight. Um, I, you know, it, it's obviously a touchy issue and I think there's probably a good chance that maybe within a few years these trees will need to be removed, but I, I, I certainly understand the Bureau of Urban Forestry's position on why they shouldn't be removed currently and why it doesn't meet the qualifications and ultimately they have to have standards by which they decide whether to uh, whether a tree can be removed or not in residential settings um, and it sounds like they did that properly and appropriately and so I think for that reason I would be inclined to deny the appeal um, but I'm certainly uh, interested in hearing what my other uh, commissioners have to say. Mr. Shoshinia? I, uh, I again want to reiterate my uh, appreciation for the department's responsiveness to, to the HOA and the good relationship they have. I do see the a disagreement uh, between expert reports and, and but I am as between the report, as, as, as you stated, uh, President Swig, the, the HOA experts bring in technology uh, that either the city doesn't have access to or hasn't chosen to use in this regard. So I, I, I am, based on Commissioner Lexberg's um, approach, I would, I'm more persuaded by the experts from the HOA than the testimony that was brought by brought from from, from the city uh, in, in in writing and orally. Uh, on the other hand, I'm pleased that the city seems willing to do more than what was represented in the in the in in the written papers. At least it seemed that um, the HOA felt that the city was going to walk away from the two trees. I do understand and hear a willingness of the from the department to. I have annual inspection, and I, and I think given the communication that uh, that exists between the city and the, and the HOA, that as we go into the future, 
and see potential damage coming up, that there may be that there's a good chance that um, the the future ways to fight off tree failure can be accomplished uh, without without uh, having to uh, uh, reverse the decision of the of the of the city. So I, I would be inclined to support the city's position. Mr. Lopez. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to echo, you know, a lot of the comments from uh, the previous speakers. Uh, it looks like, uh, you know, classic battle of the of the experts. And I think in this situation, uh, when we look at, at Buff's expertise, Buff's uh, wide aperture uh, across the city and its uh, calibration uh, of risk uh, according to uh, the entire kind of uh, tree population. I think uh, I think it's reasonable, uh, particularly given that we are are operating within uh, you know similar parameters in the Venn diagram. It's not uh, we're not looking at polar opposite positions. Uh, I think it's reasonable to uh, to defer to buffs. Um, position which again is informed by uh, its examination of of the the tree inventory across the city uh, and I you know also it, you know it's just to state the obvious that that the that the city's uh, appreciation for public safety and you know appropriate kind of prioritization for public safety considerations uh, are or you know, a top priority, and so I'm inclined to to test their to trust their position on this. Mr. Epler, thank you. I think uh, Commissioner Lopez really gets to to the heart of what I've I've been thinking as I look at this. The I think the issue that has us going along here is that right now these metrics for failure are subjective in in standard. There's you know what is the risk of failure over a three year period? Well, it's moderate. What does moderate mean? Uh, what does severe mean? What does low mean? And if, you know, I think uh, Commissioner Trezvigny's question about seismic activity, you know, is pertinent because usually we talk about the, you know, a one in 10 chance of a magnitude seven earthquake occurring within the next 40 years. It would be nice as we collect data as a department if we're able to make better predictions like a 40% chance of a tree failing within 10 years so that we can better measure the likelihood of failure. I mean, the battle of the experts thing is right. Who's moderate versus who's low? What do those mean in relation to each other? And the way that I balance that is to look at the party that holds the risk, and that seems to be the department, and look at the party that has to allocate resources across the entirety of the trees in the city, and that's the department. And so, you know, I am very sympathetic uh, to, to the uh, Homeowners Association and to the report that assigns a risk that is real. Um, it strikes me that continuing to monitor that risk and then allocating the resources when it becomes uh, high enough to act upon is probably our best course of action. Mr. Lemberg. Uh, I just wanted to add one thing. I, I, I did note that the, um, the private tree reports submitted by the appellants uh, were considered by the Department of Public Works. Uh, if they had not been, I think 
you know, we, I, I, it's pretty clear to me that it is, we, we could go, we could decide either way in this matter. Um, but the fact that the Department of Public Works has already reviewed those reports uh, that were submitted uh, along with the application and still found the way that they did, I think, is uh, just further support for the position. So that's all I wanted to add. Mr. Trevisner? Uh, th th thank you, and, and um, uh, getting back to the expert uh, reports, uh, I, I, I do note that the city looked at the expert reports, but it, uh, it's still a mystery to me as to why the city found the the expert of the of the HOA uh, to be faulty or or, 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 or or not persuasive. And I I do think if we were if we were coming to a you want to ask that of uh, Mr. Buck, I think it's a good question for Mr. Buck. Please. Well, if I if I if sure. I could. That's within your. This is what it's all about. You got a question? Right. Ask the. He's here. <laughs> Please do. Um, good evening, Commissioner. I, I heard your question. The question is about um, kind of squaring the Bartlett uh, exhibit recommendation and findings of moderate risk, and recommending removal versus say. Public Works saying, okay, in light of all that information, we're saying lower risk, or we, to some degree, might agree with their finding of moderate, but to us, that level of risk, um, as some of the other commissioners mentioned, we're, it's not meeting our level, and I wish we, we can continue to work as an industry on, on trying to be more objective, but looking at overall condition of the tree, um, things like vigor, um, branch failure, you know, what are the mechanisms for failure here? It's the, the two main stems. Um, I think, yes, in the future, perhaps with large trees like this, it may avail public works to go ahead if we're stating how valuable these trees are as an asset to the public that we put some money into some, you know, the technology so that we can, you know, provide the public with some assurance that we're um, keeping pace with with the industry I would say that we're it's a bit of the Venn diagram um, they believe there's moderate risk therefore remove um, I'm at many many hearings where we are removing trees and our recommendation is remove and the the public's like when are you gonna when are you gonna retain a tree there you know isn't that your personal charge not when public safety, if it means ignoring public safety. Um, so I believe there's enough sound wood present in uh, both trees to make them uh, below a moderate risk. And so we kind of acknowledge their, their report. We don't dispute their own findings, but we find that, um, again, through multiple layers of review and the fact that we have hundreds of, of the species that we manage citywide that my goodness, on Sunset Boulevard, we have hundreds of the species, and we're retaining them for, for much longer. So granted, there's fewer, in some cases, fewer targets. But that's, that's a little bit, I'm sorry I couldn't be more succinct. I'll work on that in the future. But that's a little bit of, I know we have a light agenda. I just want to provide a little more context. Thank you. Thank you. And as, if I could ask one other question. Uh, Go for it. And that is, are you? This may be may, this may require a long answer, but and I, and I, and I hope it, it it doesn't. But my uh, 
the HOA is looking at this, these two trees and no other trees. And they're saying, is it strong or is it not strong? Will it fail or will it not fail? It seems to me you, you are, I argue looking at this tree in comparison to other trees so that you might be saying our responsibility is to the 49 square miles of trees in San Francisco. This one doesn't rise to the need to, to act. That's a different inquiry. And I'm and I'm wondering whether that may be the difference. If so, then I would then I would say that the decision should be based on these two trees alone, and not the prior the, not the necessary priorities and limited resources that you have as a city department. Um, thank you, Commissioner. I think for us, when I say we have experience in managing species citywide, it's experience in when we look at uh, what trees fail during storms, okay, which, which trees are they? You know, what species, how did they fail? It's kind of familiarity with, um, and a comfort level with, with the potential for failure. And so referencing the entire city, what I mean to draw from that is experience, you know, um, just like a mechanic would know. A car comes in with a, a, this certain sound, and you know as a mechanic, like, oh, is it a, I'm not going to name a, a name, but if it's this brand and it's doing that, oh, that, that's typical of that species. So it's, it's comfort with um, the species, uh, how much decay is present, uh, the type of failures we see. Uh, again, we're seeing trees that have been cared for really carefully versus trees in other areas of the city that are a little bit more wild and don't receive that level of care and uh, still aren't failing. So it's, it is a comfort level in our decision-making process and, and where we feel like the decision to approve or deny is crossed. And it, for us, it feels like it's one of sustainability. And um, it would be fair if the commissioner said, you know, I wish we could get more than a year a year at a time, um, that's a reasonable finding. Um, but that's a little bit more about our, our process and our familiarity with the species um, and our comfort level in, in making that decision. I, th I think when it is the only tree in front of the home, it's what you worry about. You know, it's, it's what you see. Um, it's not that we don't worry about it. We, we worry about it just like everyone else. Um, so that's a little bit more about our process background. Well, I'm, I'm comforted that, that the level of attention you've, you have given this and that to the extent there may be a change in circumstances in the future that you've left open the door to the HOA uh, to let you know that and uh, you, you would look at it again. So thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'd like to wrap this and then move on to a motion. Um, so um, uh, welcome to the world of tree cases, and there will be dozens more. Um, I remember my first. It was on, you remember your first kiss? I remember my, uh, my first tree case. It was on, on Fulton, and I couldn't believe that w at the beginning when I read the brief, I couldn't believe that uh, Mr. Buck was advocating not getting rid of this tree, and by the end of it, I got a really good education as to why this tree was uh, not it was going to hold its path, even though it was destroying a sewer pipe, uprooting a, a, um, 
uh, a sidewalk, uh, tilting in a precarious fashion. I mean, it was like, for me, okay, get rid of the tree. It's, it's not going to, but it didn't happen, and, and now I see why. Uh, many tree cases later. Uh, so one of the, you'll see as we move forward that there's a natural stress between Buff and anybody who is um, asking for the removal of a tree, and that is the, 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 the there is a macro view, Mr. Trisvina about maintaining the, uh, the overall um, uh, tree population in San Francisco and the canopy, which, uh, which you will hear countless times in the future, is a tremendous risk. Uh, so that's one of the stresses. Uh, the, the, the other thing, moderate, uh, do you see the, is, you know, is my can of water half full or is it half empty when it's exactly at halfway? That means moderately full. Um, you, we would have different views on that, but it's 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 still the same. So we, we're running to to that circumstance. What I I like about here is I really don't see any disagreement um, uh, of significance, and there is a resolution which is let's fit, re, let's mandate that this tree be revisited 12 months from now, and 12 months after that, and 12 months after that, etc. And also the the recommendation. Uh, by the arborist and therefore by the HOA to, to put in a cable, regardless of whether Buff is in agreement of that, gives, would give comfort to the, uh, the HOA and dispel some of that, you know, that angst. Um, so what I'd like to figure out, Julie, is um, what I'd like the result to be is that the, um, the trees are, are maintained, uh, but uh, that they are... There, there's a mandated ex, uh, inspection on a 12-month basis in perpetuity, and also uh, that we ask um, that a cable, and I don't even know by whom, uh, cable be installed in the tree as recommended by the HOA's arborist. So how do we get there? Is that a well, denial of the appeal or a... Granting a the appeal granting. with conditions, but okay. I think um, the tree that needs the cable is the street tree, so yeah. that would be Buff's responsibility. Okay. And I would just like to clarify for the record, because uh, there was a little bit of conflicting information in the material, do we need an additional steel support cable, or do we want to replace the existing one there? Um, Mr. That would Buck, be probably the appellant, because that was... Okay, well, Mr. Bucks, okay. The, the, Mr. Bucks, the professional okay. in the room, okay. and then the appellant can be asked if uh, she affirms Mr. Buck's position after he makes it. Thank you, Commissioners. Um, Public Works would be willing to install uh, the cable between the two main stems of the street tree, the uphill tree, as requested of the applicant, the HOA. Thank you. Now, maybe we ask the HOA applicant whether she agrees with that statement. Yeah. Can we just also say that part of the arborist report was to remove the decaying stub and the dying branch on the street tree? Is that included? Or is that, it's fine with me, I don't care. Right. Okay. But it was, does the does the HOA? Yes, Ms. Strutzel. President Swig has a question for you. You're on mute. Do you agree with uh, Mr. Buck's uh, interpretation of the arborist's uh, recommendation uh, for the cable between those elements of the tree? Um, yes. First of all, I want to thank the board for the sub substantive discussion that has occurred. Um, this gives us great confidence in the ability of the cities to take care of the trees. And yes, um, 
we would feel comfort with the replacement of the cable um, by the city and also the removal of the dead branch. Um, just because they're very, these are not small branches. These are very substantial branches. And if it falls, it could injure somebody. It will certainly injure property. And so both of those things would be things that we would request. And is the description of, of the, was the description of Mr. Buck's um, uh, replacement of the cable or installation of the cable uh, correct as you heard uh, it? You know, I'm going to defer to the experts on that. You know, we have what we have in the arborist reports. I can repeat that, but I don't have a specific opinion on this because I don't have the technical knowledge to give that opinion. I would have to rely on the experts. Replacement is buff? Is that what you're saying? Or additional cable? Okay. Okay. So let's 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 amend it too. Uh, that Buff will will work with the arborist uh, with regard to proper cabling to sustain the trees adequately. How's that? Okay. Or we can just say installation yes. of a cable. We're right. not saying I, right. that would cover it. Right. Also, so, in so what can you tell me what my my sure. uh, motion I, is? I have one more question. In terms yeah. of the annual monitoring, the appellant did request that Buff report back on their findings to her. Do you want to include that with the order? Uh, that would be appropriate, yeah, absolutely. Yes, thank you very much. Common sense. Okay, thank you. So we have a motion from President Swig to grant the appeal and issue the order on the condition it be revised to require uh, that Buff annually monitor the condition of the trees and report back to the appellant uh, to that Buff install a cable between the two main stems of the street tree and three, that Buff removed the decaying stub and dying branch from the street tree. And well, what I didn't hear was uh, uh, uphold the uh, the appeal, but uh, not tear down the tree, not dismantle the trees. Right. Well, right. I know, I know. Well, we're not allowing it to be uh, right. removed. We're just modifying it. So. Right. Okay. Uh, that clear. So, in, on what basis are you making this motion, Vice? President Swig? Uh, on the basis of uh, the recommendation of the Bureau of Urban Forestry. Okay. Uh, all right. So on that motion, Vice President Lopez. Aye. Commissioner Trezvina? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President and we have President Swig. So that motion carries five to zero, and the appeal is granted with those conditions. We do have one more item to vote on before we leave, and that is item number five. This is appeal number 22-052, uh, Peter Poon versus Department of Building Inspection, Planning Department Approval, Subject Property, 331 28th Avenue, appealing the issuance on July 13, 2022, to Kenny and Amy Shang of an alteration permit comply with complaint numbers 2021-82981 and 2021-8306, first floor add bathroom, convert existing exercise and playroom to bedroom, office and kitchenette, add interior stair connection between first and second floor at ground floor. This is permit number 2022-0711-8177. Note on August 24th, 2022, upon motion by Commissioner Lemberg, the board voted 5-0 to, to continue this matter to November 16th, 2022. So the 
the planning and building departments could conduct an inspection of the subject property. The matter was thereafter rescheduled uh, for the hearing tonight on October 19th, and because after DBI and the planning department did a site inspection, they recommended the revocation of the permit, and the permit holder agreed. The appellant has also agreed to this outcome, so we need a motion to grant the appeal and revoke the permit on the basis that it was not properly issued. I'll make that motion. Okay. Um, Sorry, Alex. Commissioner Le no, I was okay. Is there any public comment on that motion? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any public comment. So on that motion, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Trezvina? Aye. Commissioner Lebberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. So that motion carries five to zero and the appeal is granted. And that concludes the hearing. Thank you.